Hi everyone, this is Corey. And this is Ethan. And welcome to the first episode of Pagan Talk. So this is our first episode, and as such, we uh, feel like we want to kind of introduce ourselves and let everybody know who we are. As well as where we want to do with the podcast. The approaches we're wanting to take. Um, My name's Ethan. I've been practicing Electic Witchcraft for 10 years now. Uh, I'm actually the lesser experienced one in this situation. Corey, how long have you been practicing? I've been going for about... 26 years, um, as long as I can remember, would be more accurate. I grew up in a family of uh, witches. We don't identify with the term pagan. We prefer witches because we practice witchcraft without any of the spiritual attachments. Each person has their own unique spiritual path. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, actually about 10 years ago was when I met you. Right. Um, I, I know that you were kind of looking at paganism very slightly, and you met a few others who were kind of interested in the craft. How did you come into that? Um, I was actually, my best friend at the time had picked up a book uh, about a neo, I'll use the term neo-pagan because it's one of the newer paths that have come up from um, witchcraft and some of the older ways of practicing. Um, and we had started reading it. A lot of it kind of struck a chord with me. And from there, I looked at a couple different things. Um tarot kind of different senses of different ways of divination um and about when i brought up that i wanted to do that i was doing tarot is when i kind of officially started kind of practicing side by side with you right i remember that um before that though weren't you kind of doing like ghost hunting some other spiritual stuff with your mother oh yeah yeah that was kind of fun i i was a real ghost hunters fan back in the day i i used to watch it quite a bit um, growing up, my mother always kind of pointed out that she thought I had special gifts that I, um, that I could sense how other things were feeling, sense surroundings, everything like that. So as such, my mom loved to take me ghost hunting because I could pick out, I was like a human ghost detector. She liked to call me her human <laughs> ghost detector, um, which is kind of a little bit scarring to a 12 year old boy. I, I would imagine. I remember when I was, um. <laughs> A little bit younger than that, actually. My grandmother took me to my first exorcism of a house. (laughs) (laughs) Baby's first exorcism. (laughs) Um, So how did you kind of... So as as you said, we've been working together for about 10 years now. We've had all kinds of fun stuff. We've ran a coven. Um, We're still running one. We're working on a network for witches and pagans. Um, we do a lot of community education, but like, I know with me, like I do a lot of time researching on my own, pouring through family books. Mm-hmm. I, I go ahead and like, I talk to people and find out where they're coming from, what they do. I don't have a problem saying when I meet someone say, Hey, you're a witch too. Awesome. Do you do ritual or like, do you have a deity you follow? Yeah. And I'm kind of more in the approach where, uh, practicing and how you approach, uh, the, craft and all that is very personal and just because of the stigma that it's had in pa in the past uh it's something that's kept very quiet and is kind of like i discuss it openly but at the same time i don't necessarily go knocking a person's life and be like i notice that you're wearing a pentacle or a maiden mother crone symbol or that's a really nice jade buddha where did you come from where did you go like <laughs> how's everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> pretty much so 
I mean, like even now I, I'm discussing it, but it, it's not necessarily for me to openly discuss for other people as well. Right. I, I, when I do encounter someone, like I will always be like, if they, if they look uncomfortable answering that or anything like that, like I'm not going to push it. Like I'll, I'll, I'll go with where they're comfortable, yeah. but I definitely like to learn just by living life and reading and going through things and everything like that. So yeah. um, how did you kind of start? Like what, what do you, so like, I know we do a lot of work together, but what do you do on your own to go ahead and further your knowledge? Um, I tend to do a lot of reading, um, quite a bit of reading. Um, very slow though, because I've got the attention span of a rat. Um, <laughs> a lot of the times I just like to kind of sit and meditate. I like to go to the river. Um, we have, we live on the Columbia river. So that's a big kind of area that I like to go to a lot of, a lot of, it's very relaxing really. And i even though the, the river is kind of a bigger front where people like to go all the time, you know, you're always seeing boaters or fishers or stuff. Right. It's still got a, like a sense of seclusion. Um, I, I tend to do full moon rituals as well to kind of further my knowledge and further my connection. Um, in most days, just kind of like discussing it, just talking about it or just thinking, really. And then if I find an idea, kind of like going with it and seeing if I can do research on it or everything like that. Sometimes you hit dead ends or you find out it was like in Lord of the Rings or something. But, you know, <laughs> how about you? Like I said, I, I talk to people a lot and I just kind of I, I travel. Um, one of my favorite things to do is that there's a Buddhist abbey north of here that I go visit often. Um there's a Buddhist temple here. I go visit. There's, um, there's actually a comedic, uh, rather a pagan school of sorts, uh, north of us as well. That's ran by a comedic witch. Uh, comedic being the Egyptian practice. Yeah, if anybody didn't know. Um, so I, I talk to people. There's other covens around here. I talk to them. I, there's one witch locally. She. Uh, She's traveled a lot, and she has met a lot of unique people. So I talk to her and find out what she's learned and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I also, like I said, my grandmother was a great resource. Mm-hmm. I grew up learning things all the time. Yeah, well, well, funny. I think it was about, it, yeah, I think it was about three or four years ago. Um, I really, in my in my family, I was really the only person who practiced like a. a a pagan path or, or in the sense witchcraft. Um, but it was, it was kind of funny cause all at once I just ran into a bunch of people that happened to be practicing my, uh, my father's, uh, the person my father was seeing at the time was very open. She, she didn't necessarily call herself a witch, but, um, she worked a lot with herbs. Uh, she like, she was very giggly and bubbly and she liked to talk about, um, how she loved to tend her garden and how, how the, how the spirits and the fairies help her with her garden and everything. And her familiars, which were her five cats. Um, <laughs> how stereotypical could you be for a garden witch? <laughs> five cats, five cat familiars, you know, with names like, uh, the, oh God, the names were, they weren't names like Artemis or like Felix or anything. Their names were like mittens and like, <laughs> like coconut and stuff. Just this really silly, this gives an insight in her personality. She's a wonderful person very bright spirit um but it was very nice to talk to her all the time because she and i very aligned on how it was a very personal kind of um kind of s- interest 
introspective focused kind of thing where her like her gardening was her magic and that's because that relaxed her and what that allowed her to think and that's where she could focus and really do a lot of good um while just kind of talking to people is where i do a lot of my good and just kind of seeing how i can help people is where my magic comes from i know one of the biggest lessons i i tried to teach you is um the the strongest and greatest magic is that is no magic at all. It's small acts of kindness. Mm. However, mm. that may manifest. So yeah. I think that backfired because now I'm kind of like the no, I don't want to do the big stuff. I want to do the tiny stuff. <laughs> and you're like, no, you need to do big, big stuff. I was like, no, I do tiny now. <laughs> I just think you can move on from doing small things to doing larger stuff. Anyways, enough about ourselves. I guess kind of what we should touch on now though is what, what do we want to do with this podcast? Why are we making it? Um, education's a big one. Um, as we're getting kind of further and further into the 21st century, we've, we're kind of going through a shift where it's okay to be Buddhist or Taoist or Hindu. or Not a, Christian. Not Christian. Or Muslim much. or Jewish. Yeah, and I, I should say as a disclaimer, we are... Uh, like that's not saying anything negative. Like right. we are, we are completely all inclusive. Like I, I know I have one of my best friends is a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Like my mother's Catholic. So you can imagine her, her kind of surprise when your Catholic mother is like, Oh, Hi, oh. Ethan's mom. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, here's this upstanding Catholic woman with a, a with a, a heathen son. Like, right. <laughs> so, and I love my mother. I I've been to Catholic mass. It's actually pretty cool. Um, but education, kind of going out there and being, hey, it's okay to be of different pathways, and uh, and kind of coming to find the divine in a sense is how do you experience it and how do you come to find it? I, I'm, I'm right there with you uh, for the most part. And one of the other things I definitely want to do is there's, there's not enough knowledge out there. A lot of pagans nowadays, in my experience learn from books. A lot of the ones I meet and stuff like that, like they don't know how to say things like Samhain because it looks like Sam Hain. Yeah. Um, they don't know how to say Lunasa because it looks like <laughs> So, Which is why people just say Lamas now. Right. So whereas like when, growing up, I grew up with many other witches and we knew how to say things. And like we didn't learn from books. We learned from each other. And I think definitely like that's where our differences come in. Um, because I grew up with that. I don't have a problem openly asking people about that. Whereas with you, you didn't have that huge surrounding that uh, for your path and when, yeah. while you're growing into it. So I think looking at you, like you, that's probably why you're more private about your path and stuff like that. It may also deal that I grew up in a town of eight thousand people before moving into this area. So Which you know, isn't much better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> quarter million people. Yeah, not too much difference. Yeah, <laughs> getting back on topic, uh, kind of. Today, we really want to focus on talking about Samhain. Um, that's the next big one coming up, the next big Sabbath. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Sabbath or Sabbat, fall, I always prefer the term Sabbath. I hate it when people say Sabbat. I don't know about you. I say both. Okay. Anyways, um, they're the eight marks in the year that marks the transition of the seasons. 
their holidays. We, we know when they're at because of the sun. They're based off the equinoxes and the solstices, as well as yeah. the midpoints between the equinox and solstice. They're pretty easy to track. It's called the wheel of the year in most most practices. Right. So the next big one, like I said, is Samhain. Um, it falls halfway between the fall equinox and the winter solstice. If you count it out, that means this year it'll be November 7th. And this is 2015, so for any of you future listeners... Um, it's commonly known as the holiday of the dead. Uh, we celebrate the last harvest being completed and that the harvest fields are now dead. Um, it also marks the start of the season of cold, which we know is winter. In this day and age, we're a lot more fortunate for the most part. We have conveniences of food whenever we want it, a warming, warm unit, heat, Grocery stores. Grocery stores, cars. We're not running around horseback. Um, However, even 200 years ago, you know, long before the invention of refrigeration. Before the Industrial Revolution. Revolution, yeah. um, Food had to be stored. Livestock had to be brought in. You had to have enough firewood. You had to have enough food. And there's many places in the world where that's still the case. Yeah. However, uh, as the fields are being harvested... It's become various, the plants are dying. It's becoming very much associated with, at the time, with death, transition, the end of one and the beginning of another. And this is how Samhain came to be known as a holiday of the dead. Uh, this, the transition of the plants uh, dying, everything kind of shifted. The fields being barren from being harvested. Yeah. Or it, being empty, rather. Yeah, it kind of shifted the transition and how this related to spiritually was because of this transition of death in the mortal plane it, in being transitioned to the spirit realm. It was said that the veil between the two was thinned so that spirits could come and go freely at this time. Uh, a lot of times the spirits had to return by sunrise on the day of Samhain. Um, otherwise, bad stuff happened. Um, bad stuff trademark. You know, bad stuff happens all the time. Bad stuff, just like Munchkin. Bad yeah. stuff. <laughs> uh, so a lot of times what people would do is they'd go ahead and invite a loved one that had made a pass in the recent year or even years back to come and feast with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would go ahead and set an extra plate at the table, um, and it was believed that should a spirit join you, a stranger join you at the table, you weren't to look upon their face. To do so may cause the spirit to become violent or may cause you to even die yourself. To see the spirit would force you, pull you into the spirit mm-hmm. world. Yeah. Also, again, kind of going with the Irish uh, and the Gaelic histories, um, it was believed that the Fae would pose as a spirit and come sit at your table. Mm-hmm. And to see one would be to be enthralled by one. Uh, because of this, also, as we said, because it was the end of the, you could say, the summer seasons, the the light fall. season, fall and summer. The beginning of winter. It, yeah, the beginning of winter. Uh, Samhain also became known as New Year, as a New Year holiday. It was the end of our ancestors' year as we knew it. Uh, how this translates now is... It's become the end of, you could say, the witching year, pretty much. If you follow the Wheel of the Year, it's the end of the wheel and the beginning of the new. Uh, a lot of faiths place this holiday at the end of the year, uh, not just paganism, a lot of other ones. Uh, I know in 
Mexico in Latin America, you have the Dios de los Muertos is kind of a hot, dead holiday. Fun fact, I can never say that. I took Spanish for four years and <laughs> I can barely pronounce it. So a lot of some pagans place the end of the year and the start of the new year at Yule with the rebirth of the sun. Mm-hmm. That's not something that you and I follow necessarily. We are more, uh, we don't really follow the god and goddess dichotomy. Like we 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 recognize the gods and we recognize the goddesses, but like I know you tend to follow a lot more feminine deities. Yeah. Whereas I tend to follow a lot more masculine, and so like we recognize like rather we look at the elements and the earth and the seasons themselves. Mm-hmm. So that's why we look at sound as the end of the year mm-hmm. because the next one because it starts winter. Yeah. Tra- traditionally though, because we're kind of expanding into a into a lot. Traditionally, uh, and I know this was kind of the case in for the longest time uh, with European-based pagan paths, uh, Samhain was the end, and it was kind of when the sun died for the most part, that it, we were approaching the darkest nights of the year. Um, we were approaching the darkest nights of the year. You... Daylight was waning, and eventually, and this would be another podcast, you would come to Yule when the sun was reborn. Which actually kind of leads into, like, a personal faith. I you know, Personal thing I was always taught when I was growing up, which I think would be really cool to touch on. In my family, Samhain marks the days of darkness, is what we call it. And it's a period where darkness reigns over the earth. Uh, spirits are stronger, magic flows more freely. Spirits, although, yeah, they can come between the two worlds during Samhain um, really well. And what we teach is that in the days of darkness, which is between Samhain and Yule, they can come come and go freely. And the reason why that comes up is because with what we with what I was taught was that the reason this happens is the transition period. Samhain to Yule is darkness to light. The Yeah, the the transition of darkness to light. Now, we know Samhain by for the most part by another term, Halloween. Right, that's a that's a very common one that people practice unknowingly. It is based on Samhain or the Day of the Dead. Back in the early Christian times, church decided to change it to All Hallows Eve or the day where basically the blessed spirits were able to transition, were able to move on. A lot of people would go ahead and Pray for those who are still stuck in purgatory while they're waiting to be judged. Mm. But, of course, you know, long back in the edges of the Roman Empire, especially when Christianity was beginning to spread and a lot of kingdoms were at Christianity, they changed it to Hallow's Eve, but because a lot of these well, people... Rather, what it was is it was All Hallows Day. Mm-hmm. That's when you do the practicing. But yeah. the celebration of All Hallows Eve is when people would celebrate still. Yeah, but being on the outline, there were a lot of outlying territories, a lot of places where the these old ways, quote unquote, were still practiced. A lot of those rituals kind of became meshed in on this All Hallows Eve thing, um, especially regarding like evil spirits, which is why people would dress up. They would want to change their appearance to have these evil spirits not recognize them or to scare them away. Um, if they were traveling. If they were traveling, Yes. Um, another big one that was especially practiced uh, was the act of lighting a candle in your windowsill or on your doorstep to attract your spirits to your household so that they could join you. Um, another thing they also did was place turnips on... Carved turnips. Carved tur- turnips, yes, uh, on the doorstep to also ward away evil spirits. How this kind of translates nowadays is because you don't see people putting turnips under the doorsteps right. anymore. 
Uh, you see That'd pumpkin. That'd be kind of weird. Yeah, especially since turnips are so expensive this time of the year. Uh, what you see is a lot of people, because they are cheap, is pumpkins. They, uh, <laughs> cheap, cheap, cheap. Cheap, cheap pumpkins, yes. Uh, people will now place pumpkins on their doorstep. They'll carve pumpkins and place the candles in it. And that's kind of now the meshing of bringing that into the modern day is people think it's harmless and kind of fun as a family activity, but it's all kind of based in this this act of placing carved turnips and candles on the doorstep to kind of ward away the evil spirits and bring your spirit, the the family spirits, to you. I know one of the other things, going back to those people who are traveling, uh, one of the things I was always taught is if you're going to travel on Samhain, always take apples or bread with you to leave on the side of the road for those spirits who maybe get who may have been lost or may not have anyone to uh, leave an offering for them or leave a plate for them on this day that they can come back and visit. Yeah. Um, some traditional colors kind of going into that because we're now kind of meshing into the traditions of how Samhain is practiced. Um Everyone thinks of the black and orange, but you never really wonder why black and orange. Now, black is kind of obvious. Right. It's, Be- the, it's the color of death. Mm-hmm. It's the color of all, everything in one. Mm-hmm. In, in Western philosophy, in Eastern, mm-hmm. it's a little different. Yeah. And people kind of just think orange because, oh, like black and orange, it kind of mixes as well. Or black and orange, it's fall colors. Well, true that orange is kind of by now, by Samhain, the leaves have, for the most part, have changed to orange or they've even fallen off. Um, uh, but... Kind of symbolically, orange represents the color of fire. Fire is transition, transitory. It, it's change and everything. But it's also very represents kind of warmth and determination and kind of bundling up to kind of make it through the winter months. Right. And then another color that we see all the time is purple. Um, that kind of plays into the, the meaning of the color. Uh, purple is the color of intuition and of spirit. As I said earlier, this is a transition where the spirit realm is very close to our world, so mm-hmm. they can kind of, uh, and magic runs more freely. Mm-hmm. So we see purple a lot everywhere as well. Yeah, and occasionally you see we'll see white because in a lot of the 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 Lord and Lady God and Goddess kind of approach, white represents the goddess, um, and so people will use that as generally to represent the goddess. But black can also be used because Samhain is also the crones' holiday. It's the it's she's coming to the end of her time. Right. So uh, a couple other things to kind of touch on. Again, we're, we're talking about tradition and stuff like that. Spell work. That's a huge thing for this holiday for pagans. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people will do uh, rituals regarding Samhain, but a lot of it, I actually partook in a ritual uh, back about four years ago. I don't remember this. Well, you, I hadn't, I hadn't moved out to this area yet. Okay. Yeah, when I was with Naomi, the the per, the uh, woman your, that your dad's yeah ex. We don't talk about that. <laughs> the woman he was with at the time. Yeah, the woman I yeah the <laughs> Naomi, the woman that my dad was with at the time, uh, actually took me to her kind of. It wasn't necessarily a coven, but it was like it was a circle. It was a loose grouping of witches that. Um, we didn't do like a walk or anything, but everyone was asked to bring like a candy bar, like a favorite candy bar of a loved one. Um, someone actually brought a p- pack of their mother's favorite smokes, which is we all had a chuckle because it was actually smoking that killed their mother. Yeah, <laughs> but but 
real quick, did you guys all throw all these in the fire? No, we didn't throw it into a fire. Um, we placed them on a on a table uh, okay. with that had like a, a tablecloth. It had like a pumpkin, a candle on it. So you were to bring us bring one. It was a very it was a very solemn moment because we we were reflecting back. We were it, it was for loved ones that passed. So cool. um, one person brought actually brought like a fifth of bourbon, <laughs> like not like a fifth, but it was like a flask of bourbon of their father's favorite bourbon. Someone brought. Um, so like more of honoring the dead. More of honoring. Um, and we all kind of just solemn, like kind of quieted there, and it was an invitation for the spirits of those loved ones to come, kind of take partake of those and everything. Um, and they sit down on the table. The person, the I will use the term, I guess, priestess lightly. The person who was heading the ritual, uh, proceeded to bury them, uh, the next day, so that they no one would get into them because. We don't want to eat spirit food. No, no. that's how you get spirited <laughs> that's away. That's how you get spirited away. Yes. Have you ever seen that? It just That's actually the basis of that movie, pretty much, is if you ate spirit's food, you would become a spirit yourself. Right. Um, don't eat the food of the underhill. Um, and then because of kind of the transitor, the transition period, we kind of just put all our frustration into this straw man, pretty much, like... We were asked to, like, yell at this, like, yell at all our frustrations. Seems silly, but it was actually very therapeutic at the time. Okay. Into the straw man, and then we burned the straw man. As we kind of actually do that for our group ritual. That would be yeah. really cool, I think, doing something like that. Yeah, and so you would burn away the negativity so you could come into the new year with a fresh palette. So, cutting in real quick, that's actually really interesting because in a lot of uh, Gaelic practices, what they would do is they would go ahead, and this is actually Germanic, Germanic. Anglo-Saxon? What's the proper term? Anglo-Saxon. Anglo-Saxon Germanic. Central European. Yeah. There we go. Uh, Cultures, as well as, like I said, the Gaelic. What they would do is, during the time of Samhain, they would actually go ahead and bring um, mementos of their loved ones Mm. or um, ailments, uh, things to represent ailments or things that represent what they want to bring in their life to a central bonfire and then go and throw them in the fire and then let it burn. And the next day the uh, priest or priestess would go ahead and take what was left and bury it. Okay. So that's actually pretty cool that, like, kind of touching. I don't know if they knew that that was a thing, but... Yeah, that could have just been from who they had learned from. Um, some other great things to do with spell work because of the transition period and, the, and because the veil is thin. Divination is great to do at this time. Um, right. All kind of degrees, um, you know, through whether it's through a witch's mirror, tarot... Or uh, some other way, however you prefer to divine, is great, is said, because messages from the spirit world tend to transition quite a bit. Um, Dealing with past life uh, things, past life regression, I I will say a disclaimer, with proper training, of course, past life stuff is not not light stuff you want to deal with. Um, It can be very difficult to do. Yeah, also. um, Astral travel or astral magic is great to do at the same time as well. Also, anything regarding cleansing, um, burning away of the old. Um, Why is that? Uh, because of the transition of, of the end and because the new year. It's the kind of like that out with the old in with the new thing. So that's why it's the best. So if you want to get rid of any old, like old ties, old connections, if you want to burn any bridges magically, that's the best time. One of the really... Things that, that always gives me a chuckle is it's also a really great time for sex magic. We're, we're sitting opposite Beltane now. Beltane is a time of, uh, which again, we'll cover this more on a later podcast, 
is a great time for having sex and fails to kind of bring that energy into it and pull it all together at this time we, again because it's pulling the warmth into ourselves and connecting together and we don't condone having sexual relations in a field by the way that's how you get arrested <laughs> right but right. you're welcome to do it in your bedroom or wherever you may please Maybe the kitchen <laughs> yeah why not Go send the kids out trick-or-treating, send them with the babysitter, and have just... Have a glass of wine. Have a glass of wine, watch a couple movies, Netflix you know. Netflix and chill. Yeah, exactly. Netflix and chill. And sex magic. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. All right, so I think that's pretty much it for today. So uh, thanks for joining us. We'll see you later. We'll hope you come back to listen again. We will... Catch you later. Yeah.